Good morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts 12. Acts 12. Acts 12. We're going to continue on our making a difference. Last week we looked at giving. This week we're looking at prayer. Uh, I didn't plan that. I didn't know it was that from what I did on Sunday night, but that's all right. It's not at all anything what I preached on Sunday night about. Prayer. Prayer is a non-negotiable act if we seek to please God. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to seek him. Uh, That's through Bible reading, but it's also through prayer. Uh, When you're learning about a friend, when you're learning about somebody, uh, you learn about them, you you become better friends, you uh, build that relationship by talking to them, not just by, you know, if Brian wrote an autobiography and I just read his book and I said, well, that, he's my best friend now, not, not the same thing. It, it's good to know about who he is, but if I don't have that face-to-face relationship with him, then you'll never build a relationship with God. Uh, we have to pray faithfully. Andrew Murray says, the place and power of prayer in the Christian life is too little understood. When we learn to regard it as the highest part of the work entrusted to us, the root and strength of all our work, we will see that there is nothing we need to study and practice more than the art of praying. Praying is how you talk to God, how you get a hold of God, how you're able to uh, listen uh, to God. It's, it's how you, like we, I've said before, you know, without plugging in the light to the electrical outlet, it's just a blank bulb. It, it doesn't do anything. But without being plugged into the power, it doesn't do you any well. Prayer is that way. Prayer is being able to be plugged in to the power source. And without being plugged in, you as a Christian are kind of as useful as a bulb that doesn't turn on. God can't use you unless you have the Holy Spirit's power within you. Psalms 5.3 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Prayer, uh, Bible reading, the reason why you see a lot of times in the Bible, why, why do we have devotions first thing in the morning? So you start the day right. How, how do you start the day right? Well, you talk to God. You, you thank Him for waking you up. I mean, you, you could have not woken up. Not a bad thing. If you're saved, you'd be in heaven. But thank God for having the blessings that he does give you. And we see that in Acts chapter 12, uh, the seriousness of what these Christ, early Christians realized, the, the power of what prayer means. They may not understand it until towards the end, but they, uh, they see what the power of prayer all ultimately brings. Let's pray and we'll get into this lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, this morning, for uh, Lord, for giving us a, a day to be able to come here before you, uh, be able to come to your house, Lord, and be able to uh, hear what you have for each and every one of us. I, I pray that you'd be with uh, the next service, 
Uh, Lord, with those that you'll bring in here, I pray that we uh, be attentive and listen and um, Lord, just be open-hearted to what your word says and has for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you be with this morning. I pray that you help me be able to uh, give these uh, points and these, uh, this lesson, uh, Lord, to, to really understand the, the, the importance and, and, like I said, the, the, the untapped power that we have the ability to have. Uh, Lord, I pray that we, we take it serious and we, we realize the, the sincerity and, and the realness of what you want us to do uh, in prayer and how, how important it is for our Christian walk. I pray that you be glorified through all this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first part, let's just start reading Acts 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and de- delivered him to four Quartinians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto, the God, unto God for him. Prayer ought to come natural. Uh, it's, it's something that we see day and day when, you know, when you're going through problems. What does everybody always say? Pray for me. But when, when there's issues or problems arise, it's always the first thing, which is good, pray for me. But ultimately, we, we shouldn't be only in prayer or, or asking for prayer when we're in the down in the valleys, when, when we're having issues. We should be having prayer constantly. Psalms fifty fifteen says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. A little later on in 86, verse 7, In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Yes, God is there and able. He's the first person we should really go to in the first place when we have problems. Uh, and, and we see that happening here in Acts chapter 12. Uh, Herod is the uh, great is grandson of Herod the Great. He was insecure in all his rulings. And just as we remember reading in, uh, about Pilate, they, they were very much about pleasing those that were around him. Sounds a lot like politicians today. They want to please who was around them. They want to make them happy so they stay in power. Herod was the same thing. He's, there, verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. He did this all because he, oh, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming favorable because I tell you what, no Jew really liked Herod. No Jew liked Herod Agrippa or Herod the Great. They, they didn't enjoy being ruled by oppression by the Romans. But so, so they made life very miserable for the, whoever was in charge. And, and when these that were in charge, Herod here, sees a way to gain um, popularity, gain uh, uh, some civil uh, uh, rest, he took advantage of it. And, and part of that is when he saw that taking these Christians 
were pleasing the Jews, were, were good things that he saw, okay, this will help me. But this led the church to, there, there in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto, unto God for him. We see that they, they, they didn't have Philippians 4.16. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. They, they didn't have that verse, but they knew from the teachings and from the apostles, we have to, who, who can help us out in this situation? We, we, can't, go, we can't go to Barabbas, we can't go to uh, Barnabas, we can't go to, uh, well, Peter's in jail, can't go to him. We got to go to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There was a need, and, and these, these early Christians realized the first place they needed to go to was to God. Uh, they, they just dealt with James being martyred. He was the son of Zebedee, and if you remember back in Matthew 20, uh, his mother came to Jesus and said, Asked them for special treatment, basically. And Jesus says in verse 22, Are ye able to drink the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, We are able. And this is the first time we see that they're getting that opportunity, essentially, uh, to demonstrate what they said. James gives his life as a martyr uh, and no doubt people were confused, people were uh, saddened by this, but we have 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. But not only do they, are they grieving and worried about you know, what happened to James, but now Peter's in prison, and, and Paul talks about Peter being a pillar of the faith, not, not the Pope, but a pillar, not, not one, the only pillar, but multiple pillars, so just... He is one of the higher up there. He preached Pentecost. He, he became, uh, we, we see, which is interesting, we see when Jesus is here, Peter's kind of the, the roughneck. He's, the, he's, the, he's got hoof and mouth disease. He, he always says things before he actually thinks about them. But then after Christ ascends, we see Peter really change. Uh, and, and I believe he, uh, it almost, he matures as a Christian. And he, he preaches at Pentecost, and, and he becomes something that Herod says, that's somebody that I need to take out. This is somebody that's making a lot of problems. And because of that, the church realized, hey, this is, this is kind of uh, important. This is, this is a person that, this is an apostle. Uh, he, he was there with Christ. He, he has a lot more to teach. Uh, we, we, we don't know everything yet from him, and the gravity of the situation caused these Christians to, verse 5, with pray without ceasing. We have to learn that praying without ceasing, and pastor says it all the time, it's not walking around doing this the whole time and bumping into everything or crashing because your eyes are closed. It's continually being in a mindset of prayer. Jesus basically... Uh, illustrated this in Luke. Turn to Luke 11. Luke 11, 5. He, he illustrated this for his disciples to, to get them to understand 
what it means to pray without ceasing, to, to persist in your prayers. Luke 11, verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Sometimes our, our prayers aren't answered because we give up on them. If, if this friend that Jesus is talking about would knock on the first time and, Can I, I, I need some bread, I need some food to, to, to feed my new guest that just came in. I know it's late and the, the person inside says, I'm sorry, the door's locked, I'm in bed, too bad. All right, well, I guess I'll, I'll find something else. No, it, the Bible says, Jesus says, because of his importunity, his persistence. That's why he answered the man's request. That's why he opened the door and gave him food. And that's what Jesus is talking about is when you're praying for something, don't just pray for it one time and expect, okay, well, I'll just, I'll wait and hear from him. You know, it's not like a voicemail where you, you call and you leave a voicemail and, well, I don't want to bother him again. I'll, I'll just, you know, when he gets time, he'll answer me. God said, Jesus says himself, don't, don't leave me a voicemail. Continue to call and call and call. My wife knows if, if she calls me while I'm at work, the first time, I'm probably not going to answer if I'm at work, if I'm doing something in the middle. But if she calls two, three times, hey, that's something important. I probably should answer. Same idea with, with prayer. Prayer is, is something that God, God I don't want to say God tests, but God wants to know how important it is to you that he's, that you're bringing towards him. That if you're bringing a request to him, the way he knows how important it is to you is how often do you bring it towards him? How, how often do you pray to about the situation, about said issue? If it is one time, eh, you know, you don't really feel like it's that important. I said I would pray for him, so I'll pray for him once. God, God doesn't see your sincerity in your prayer, and therefore a lot of times God isn't going to answer it because you gave up. But next we, we see God's response to their prayer. Verse 5. Go back to Acts. Sorry. Acts 12, verse 5. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Consider lessons that we can see just in that last part of the verse. But prayer was made, a pivotal conjecture. I mean, these, these Christians realize, hey, we need to pray, and we need to pray now. Without ceasing, they, they knew they needed to continue and continue praying about this because at that point in time, they didn't know whether Herod was going to just kill Peter right then and there or how long it was going to be. Of the church, it wasn't just one person. It was the whole body that was praying. Unto God, they knew who to pray to. They weren't praying to 
John. They weren't, they weren't trying to get to, in touch with anybody else. They were trying to get to the person that had the ability. And then it ends in for him. It, was, it wasn't for them. It was for somebody else. It, it was a personal concern. And the intercession prompted God's intervention. Uh, look at verse 6 there. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wits not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed one on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed. God's timing, he responded at the right time. Uh, throughout the Bible, we see when Jesus is going, you think of Lazarus. If you had just been here. No, God's timing is perfect. <laughs> and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night. I'd say that's, that's about the, the, right at the edge. But God knew the timing of when it needed to happen. He... he when Herod would have brought him forth to kill him. That's essentially what we're seeing here is this is it. Peter, in the morning, Peter's going to be brought up and be executed. This is it. This is done. I don't know if he, you know, if they were sharpening swords. They, the, the, uh, uh, I was going to say guillotine. That wasn't invented yet. But the, the, the executioner was getting ready for the execution tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, God responds to the prayer. Uh, we, don't, we don't know. It doesn't exactly say how long Peter was in prison. Uh, some people think it was about a week in prison. So it wasn't like they prayed one night and the same night Peter's brought out. They were praying continually for some time. It, it wasn't just they prayed and then God answered right away. Again, that persistence, we, we have to realize God doesn't answer right away all the time. But God answers at the right time in his will. Uh, Job 23.10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. A lot of people require, were required to just trust God in his timing. You think of Joseph in the prison. He was given all these dreams about becoming above his brothers and his brothers and his father and his mother bowing down to him. Well, that's a little hard to see when you're stuck in prison in chains. But Joseph was promised by God and, and of these dreams, and Joseph trusted that in God's time this will happen. Uh, you think of David, how long David waited to become king. He was anointed back when he was a boy. And then Goliath. And then he gets into, the, into the, the palace with Saul and Jonathan, and you kind of feel like, okay, well, this is, you know, we're having a, 
a, a civil transition, as they like to say in, in presidentials. Uh, it, it was a very easy transition. No, then Saul tries to kill him. And now David's running for his life. But David was promised by God, I've anointed you to be king. And David just had to pray and trust that in God's time, he was going to be king. Uh, we have to realize that when we pray, whether we're praying for the building, good, good situation. One opportunity gone down. Another opportunity, not, not the building. And sometimes we, we think about, we prayed and prayed and prayed and God shut the door. Well, isn't that what we prayed for? If this isn't the place, shut the door? Then God answered the prayer. God, God didn't just throw us out and say, nope, sorry, yeah, that, I'm not going to give that one to you. No, God was answering our prayers. And we just have to continue to pray because in his time, God will open a door, and it, it will stay open. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. He responded in the right time, but he also responded in the right place. God didn't have to figure out, Wow, oh, man, where's Peter? I thought he was in this prison, and now he's not there. God knows exactly where Peter was, and God knows exactly where you're at in your situation. God, God doesn't have to look for you or try to figure out, oh, man, where? Like Ben, now he crawls. I can't just put him down, and when I come back, he's still in the same spot. He's gone. Half the time you turn around, and the kid, all you hear is him crawling away. God doesn't put us in a situation and just turns around and does something else and comes back and goes, where did he go? I thought I put him, hmm. oh well. God knows where we're at. God knows our situation. 1 Peter 3.12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto the pr their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God didn't forget his children in this time. God didn't forget Peter, and he's not going to forget us. Exodus 3, 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. He responded in the right time, he responded at the right place, and he responded in the right way. Uh, uh, think, of, think of all the different ways Peter could have gotten out. Think of all the different times people were in prison in the Bible. The earthquake shakes and all the doors open and, and, and Silas comes out and the jailer's there. Could have happened the same way. God could have shaken the entire prison and had the chains fall off. But in this situation, God chose a different way. God, God sent an angel. And I find it interesting that he, there in uh, verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. almost feel like Peter was asleep. Or, or, and, and the angel had to, hey, wake up. Wake up. We're going to go. <laughs> We're leaving. And, and it even says Peter's 
Peter doesn't understand, is this, am I dreaming? Is this a vision? Is this real? The shackles all fall off, and I'm just I'm walking right out of the prison. I was chained to two guys. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly, were the guys sleeping? Did they just not see what happened? The Bible doesn't say that. But he just walks right out, gets to the iron gate, and the gate just opens. And he walks right out. And, he, and, and the Lord doesn't just, what's in, see, you're there, uh, look at the end of verse 10. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed through one street, and for, forthwith the angel departed from him. You see, God doesn't just get you through the trouble, and just as soon as you're outside the gate, he's done. The angel took him further. It, to me, that, that's something we, we can easily just read straight over, but think of that. The angel could have just got the gate open, walked right out the gate and said, all right, see ya, good luck. The Bible says that he went further through one street. God continues once he gets you through, he, he's, he's your shepherd. He, he walks with you the entire way, uh, all the way up, not just through the trial, but after the trial. Uh, he responded in the right way. And then the last thing, uh, Verse 11, or the results of the prayers. You think of these Christians did, well, let's, let's read it first. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent an angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the peoples of the Jew, Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It isn't his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stirring amongst the soldiers. What was become of Peter? And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. It's almost like a, a, a funny little ending to the whole situation. Miracle, Peter gets brought out of jail. He's brought out of prison. And the first place he goes to is Mary's house. Uh, think of that. Um, it says, The house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Who's that? John Mark. Where do we else do we hear about that? He was in. He was with Paul and Barnabas. This is Barnabas's sister. Would that be his sister's house, Mary? Let's see. John Mark was his nephew. Yes, his nephew. So Mary would have been. This is Barnabas's sister's house. 
that Paul is, Peter is going to. Kind of just interesting how everything all works together. But he goes there and he knocks on the door. And, and the servant girl comes in. Even before she opens the door, she understands and recognizes Peter's voice and goes, oh, that's Peter. Runs back in, doesn't even open the door. The, the poor man that just been in prison is... I mean, I, you almost wonder how long did Peter stand there waiting? I don't know, because obviously he knew lights were on because there must be candle lights or something, so somebody's awake. It's almost like when you knock on a door and you hear people rushing around, and then all of a sudden it stops. You're like, yeah, I still know you're in there. I mean, it, it's almost like when someone knocks on your door, you're like, hide, because that's going to stop somebody from being able to know you're there kind of idea. But she runs back inside and tells those that are praying for Peter, he's outside. And the Bible says there, verse 15, and they said unto her, thou art mad. They didn't believe her. They, they were literally just been praying and praying for a miracle, and when God sent it, nah. <laughs> think, of the, think of the faith these these church members had, the little amount of faith that they knew, okay, I've got it, we've got this issue, I've got to go to God. I, I have to be praying for this. And they consistently and continually prayed for Peter to be released or something, a miracle or something to happen. But they didn't have enough faith to realize that it was actually going to happen. Because when, when they, they opened the door, it says, verse 16 in the end, they were astonished. Think of that. Think, think of your times when you pray for something. Okay, the building. Boy, you think of all the things that would have to line up. You, you think of how in the world, it, as expensive as everything is around here, how are we going to find a building? But we know we've we got to pray about it because obviously we can't do it. God has to be the one to do it. But how many times are we praying going, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm praying about it. Think of in, in the, the Bible, the, um, uh, who was it? Oh, in, in Mark, uh, man, I can't even remember who it was. Uh, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, he, he, he says, I, I know you're the one that's going to have to do it, but I don't understand how it's going to happen. I don't know how you're going to open this door, Lord, for this building, but I, I'm just trusting that you're going to do it in your time. The, their faith was not as far as, oh, yep, he's going to do it. Peter's going to come out. In fact, the first thing they, they think is, it's Peter's ghost. He's dead, and now he's come back just to... I don't know, say hi or something. I, I don't know why the ghost would come back to, to knock on their gate. But the enemy's plans were thwarted by God's miracle. You think of uh, Psalms 2, 2 verse 4. The kings of this earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. 
He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You, you wonder how, how in the world do, do we see the evil and everything that's going on in this world? How, how does it just continue? And it just seems like, like it says here, they are against the Lord, against his anointed. Sure sounds exactly like what it is today. Everything out there in the world is against this church. Everything out there is against what we believe and what this Bible teaches. And the Bible says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God's up there going, Really? You're going to do something? What do you expect to do? It's almost like, you know, Ben trying to push me out of the way. Really? You're, 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 you're one years old and you're going to push me out of the way. You know, when he wants to get through something and he's not supposed to go in a room, so he's pushing. It's the same idea. God's just looking down going, what are you doing? You think that's going to make a difference. We have to have the promise and understand that the enemies might want to destroy what God's doing here, but they're not going to prevail. We don't have to worry about that happening. And we look there that the church, their prayers were interrupted. In the middle of praying, now that would be a great way to, you know, you're praying, praying for Miss Barbara. And in the middle of your prayer, you get a phone call saying, the doctors have, it's cured. A miracle. Think of that. But don't just think of it as in, oh, that's a good story. This is the same God that did this. Same God that parted the Red Sea. Same God that, that destroyed all of Egypt's army in the Red Sea. The same God that fed the 5,000s with, with just two loaves of bread and three fishes. The same God that walked on the water. But we, don't have, we have the same type of faith as these first Christians did. We'll pray about it, but when the answer comes, we just don't believe it. We're astonished. Shouldn't we have the faith? I mean, they didn't have all, everything we do. We've got the whole Bible to tell us about who God is and what he's done and what he's able to do. And even farther, we can't even imagine what he's able to do. Shouldn't we have a little bit more faith in our prayers? We have to realize that the Old Testament prophets expected answers. You look in Isaiah 65, 24, And it shall come to pass that before thy call I will answer, and, they, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Jeremiah Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. They believed, and they had the faith to believe that I'm going to pray, and God's going to answer. Don't know what the answer is going to be, but I know God's going to answer. And I have the faith that God's going to, 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 to understand that my... I've heard it said this way. It, you know, you, you have these atheists talk about, you know, God, I don't believe God, I don't believe God can do anything. I don't even believe that there is a God. Because if there was a God, this and this, 
And I've heard somebody say, if, if I understood God, if I understood everything about God, then he's not a God that I want to worship. Think of that. If, if we understood everything about God and understood how he worked and understood everything he's going to do, then my little puny brain can understand God. And that's not a God that's deserving of what this Bible is saying is honor and lifting up. God's more than what we could even think about. God's more and can do more than what we even imagine. The, the Bible says in Revelations, talking about heaven, I hath not seen nor ear hath heard what is, nor entered into the heart of man what he has prepared for us. We can't even fathom and understand what he's doing. Shouldn't we have the same thinking when we pray? We, we don't understand, can't imagine how God's going to answer something, but we have the faith that he's going to. We, we have, the, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. We have to believe that he's going to do something. Uh, early, first verse, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith, we have to have faith in our prayers. And again, we have so much more to go off of and to base our faith off of than what a lot of Christians earlier had. And yet they knew and had the faith to be able to believe that he's going to have things come to pass. The last thing, we see the, the, the end to the enemy. Uh, there at the end of the chapter, or end of, end of the verse there in verse 19. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea. And their abode. According to the Justine Code, and we've heard this a lot of times, if, if you were the soldier that was in, put in charge of this prisoner, if this prisoner went missing, you got whatever their, their punishment was going to be. If it was death, you were put to death. If it was hanging, it was whatever it was, you took their place because it was your fault that they were gone. The Bible says it this way, in, in David praises the Lord for turning the tables on his enemies. Psalms 138.7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, that will revive me. That will stretch forth mine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The enemy's going to get their due reward. Don't, don't forget that. And a lot of times we, we look at how the world's going and everything, and we See how the wicked prosper and how everything's going that way. And we think, how, how can God on the throne, if he's on the throne, allow this? But the Bible says they have an end. And that shouldn't just make you happy that, oh, good, I, ah, good. They get, they're getting what's coming to them. It should make you want to get them on your side because you know what their end is and you don't want them to be in that end. God wants to work on our behalf. 
today, just like he did back here. Isaiah 43, 13 says, I will work. He wants to protect and provide for his children. Just like the Bible says, if you do good things for your own children, how much more should the Father of heaven do for his children? James 4 in the ending in there, verse 2, ye have not because ye ask not. It, it's, the question lies not with God and his, his ability or his desire to answer your prayers. The question lies with us. Are we consistent? Are, are, will God answer our prayers because of our importunity? Or will God an not answer your prayer because you prayed once and was like, oh, that's good enough? How, how, how much faith is behind your prayer? How much uh, belief, how much faith, how much uh, uh, sincerity, and, and how much do you really truly believe that you're actually even praying to God? Because a lot of times I feel like a lot of Christians just pray just to do it. You're talking to the God of the universe. Think of how important that is. Think of how the Bible says come boldly before the throne, but I said this Sunday night, it doesn't mean you kick down the door and come arrogantly. He's telling you, you have the opportunity. Don't, don't, don't do what the high priest did, and you can only come in once a year, and even then, I can imagine that, you know, you have to do this and 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 this. And I got to be totally clean. I got to make sure all this is done before I can actually come in. And if I don't, my life's on the line. You can imagine they're, they're walking in with, with the cup of blood kind of like scared almost. I, I would feel like if, if I'm walking in as a high priest, I'm shaking and hoping I'm not spilling the blood before I get to the mercy seat because I'm scared to death that if I do something wrong, that's my life. But the Bible says you don't have to be scared to come before Christ. You don't have to be scared. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Let's pray. We'll get into the next session. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for uh, your word, for giving us examples of uh, what you have done in the past and how you're the same yesterday and the same today. Lord, I pray that we just have the faith in you. Uh, just as, as you said, the faith of a mustard seed, we could see mountains move. And sadly, I've never seen a mountain move. I've never read about a mountain moving. Uh, Lord, and, and so it just, it just makes us feel humble of how small is our faith. Lord, I pray that you help us with uh, realizing the, the seriousness and the sincerity of, of what prayer does, what prayer means being able to talk to you. Lord, and I pray that we take, uh, not take advantage of it, but Lord, I pray that we, we use it, uh, that we, we, we talk to you, not just thank you for the food, but Lord, to, to talk with you in the good times and the bad times. I pray that you be with the next hour, that your name be lifted up, and that you be pleased with what goes on here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're dismissed.